1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
3: It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Uh
2: Uh-oh, guess what
3: day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Monday, Tuesday, hump day is halfway. It's Mike Shope.
2: Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> and the Bulldog. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. It's Mike Shope and the
1: Bulldog.
4: Guess what today is?
3: It's hump day.
4: Woohoo!
1: On WGR. Hump day! Sports Radio day. 550. I'm
0: gonna be there.
2: Alright, indeed. Up and Adam on a Wednesday. Glad to have you with us here on WGR. I am the Bulldog. Mike Shope continues to enjoy some time off. And this Wednesday brings us Sal Capaccio co-hosting the show today, which I'm excited about. A chance to kind of really stretch out with Sal and assess this Bills Off season uh, that's really just starting here. Free agency is still a little ways off, but we just heard Zach talking about the Combine. Sal's going to be at that. And that's... Probably will be the the next opportunity, certainly it's only a week away, to hear from any of the Bills brass here. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, the GM and head coach, usually speak at that event. So, Sal will be there to cover that and other things
4: as well. Sal, good afternoon. How are you today? Doing great, Bulldog. Hopefully you're doing well. I think it's been a little while since we've been together. No. Uh- it's happened. I maybe once a few, maybe a month ago, a couple months ago, maybe can't remember exactly when. But more infrequent these days. Yep. Now that I'm on normally ten to twelve. Right. Right. But it's always, it's always fun for me. It's always good, and I always look forward to these to these visits with you. If we can, we can spend some time and. Kind of not just have our normal football segment, if you will. You know what I mean,
2: right? Good deal. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Other stuff too, but certainly football uh, will be the focus. It is a it is a hockey night here. We've got Sabers yeah. pregame a few hours down the line here with Paul Hamilton, and we'll get you ready for the Sabers and the Canadiens uh, tonight. But I, I love that the combine is coming up. We've got Joe Marino from the Draft Network coming up with us at four o'clock today. Excited about that. Uh, touch base with him. I know he's somewhat been a regular on the morning show, but his visits with us on the afternoon show have been somewhat infrequent because of that um so glad to get joe's take on things as we uh, get cranked up but I, I noticed it was kind of funny i saw that chris trapasso was on with the morning guys today and he's become a somewhat regular guy for us at this time of the year i think starting next week we're going to have chris on for a weekly visit cbs sports uh, dot com draft analyst and young player in the league analyst. Uh, so we sort of we switched we switched draft analysts for the shows today. I guess as it turned out, I, I really wanted with you.
4: Today, Wait, I, I think this is more of a I think this is some sort of like you're, you You want to fight with Jeremy. That's what it is. You no. guys want to <laughs> fight about guests, no. take each other away. Like, no, we that Joe is ours. Chris, you, Chris, Joe, th- this is what this is all about. You're upset. <laughs> you, you, you guys, you're you're fighting. And this is what you do when you. Yeah, no, no. You, you want to claim this, is like claiming your territory. Essentially, you,
2: you, this is like a passive aggressive move. You think by by us booking <laughs> Joe Marino?
4: Yeah, I I, 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 I'm not sure that he's Chris.
2: still doing a regular thing on Wednesdays. I, 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 I think he is. I hope he is because he's excellent. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm trying to. Pr- I'm protecting. Uh, Trapasso. I'm, 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 putting, I'm putting barbed <laughs> wire right. around Trapasso. We let you in this morning, but just beware. He's ours. Don't be messing with it. So anyway, um, I know when we spoke on Monday. Uh, I had texted you ahead of time. That I wanted to get into the Bills' own free agents. I mean, we're still a couple of weeks away from free agency and the new league year and all that. And between now and then, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot done here. So the Bills have got at least some money uh, to re sign guys of their own and go out into the market, however modest. Uh, that will be for them, uh, but there's a lot that's going to happen, and we never got to it on Monday because we started talking about your, your offseason positional analysis, which began with, I think, quarterbacks and then running backs, and we've got wide receivers today, and we will certainly get to plenty of that. There's going to be a lot of wide receiver talk between now and the draft. I think you can count on that, but looking at the, like the Bills, they've got a, a lengthy list, and I don't know, Sal, like other years, I feel like a couple of years ago we were really worried about Matt Milano uh, and, and others, but Milano was probably the headliner. Last year, Tremaine Edmonds was a big free agent. I don't know that a lot of Bills fans, I certainly didn't lose any sleep. Over whether or not they were going to be able to keep him because I just did not think there was any way that they were going to be able to. Whereas Milano, I think that, you know, a couple of years before that, or even just the year before that, whenever it was, I kind of had my fingers crossed like maybe they can find a way to keep Matt Milano, and they did, and I was relieved about that. Edmonds was not that stressful. I recognize he was an important player for them, but I just thought market-wise there was no way. So that it didn't feel that stressful last year. This year there's not a Tremaine Edmonds on the list of guys, but there's a lot of important guys here, rotational players on the defensive line, maybe headlined, in my opinion, by Daquan Jones and A.J. Epinesa. Um, so there's more volume to me than there is like, guys that I'm going to be heartbroken about losing.
4: I don't disagree with that. I mean, there's a lot of free agents, 22 total, I think, uh, pending unrestricted. Then you have Quentin Morris in there as well as a restricted free agent. But, yeah, the UFAs mostly fall on the defensive side of the ball. It is interesting to look at the offense. Now, people know I have a color-coded chart, and if you go to my Twitter feed at South Sports, you find it's not pinned right now. But if you find it, um, it's, it's funny to look at it, and I bring it up because on the defensive side, they're just loaded. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let me see. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 On the defensive side, five, and then seven on the offensive side. That's it. That's crazy, right? Bulldog fourteen mm-hmm. on defense, seven on offense. And what's striking is if you look at the offensive side, the ones I have in blue, it's nobody at the top of the chart. I have like a loose depth chart essentially. Mm-hmm. It's nobody. There's not not anybody at the one line. Even on defense, to be honest with you, but you could kind of debate a few guys and where they're ranked there. Um, so really on offense, you're not the only true like guy you'd want to think about, I think, when we talk about this is Gabe Davis, who's been such a contributor that what would happen. The other guys, we can talk about depth roles. On defense, it's different. Daquan Jones has been a very solid contributor. Leonard Floyd, obviously, with the year he had, A.J. Epinesa, and then there's Micah Hyde, of course, right? Dane Jackson, Tyrell Dodson for what he did. These are names that even though they're not at the top of the chart like a Tremaine Edmonds would have been last year necessarily of a five year starter, they're guys that play big roles. And there's a lot of guys here. So it is the volume. I agree with that. And although you don't have that one headliner like we may have had with Edmonds, a former first round pick, played five years in the organization, made a couple of pro bowls, I think you do have some real quality players on this list overall.
2: Yeah, and guys that qualify. Well I mean like even though Gabe Davis isn't the top of the depth chart at wide receiver I mean, he's a he's a starter. He he's on the field. He's on the field more than any other receiver on the team. Like, you know, something like over ninety percent of the snaps. So that's a whole. He sort of qualifies to me as you know. Obviously, he's been he's mattered to them. Um, He sort of falls into the Edmonds camp to me. Like where I'm looking at the player, going, yeah, you know, you've been awesome. I've liked having you here, but the market is probably gonna tie my hands or tie the bills hands like to me there's no way that i can see the bills being able to afford davis unless he takes i don't know like half of what he might find out on the open market i mean what do you what do you think his marketplace will end up being
4: higher than what the bills can pay that's what i would say um right you know i just think of last year bulldog the two the top guys got 11 million jacoby myers juju smith schuster i think deandre hopkins might have come in higher than that later exactly the same And Beckham, right, i think later. did
2: too eventually but yeah
4: right but when you when free agency opened and teams were just doing that initial shopping that initial free agency window there um it was juju and it was jacoby myers and they went for 11 million a year and i don't think that's extravagant i also don't think they're top of the line players to be honest with you. they're nice players and juju had a nice little career he's actually was on his third team last, you know, this year, he, you know, he was free agent a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Myers going from new England to the Raiders, nice player. But I think then, so, so I guess the way I look at it is if he would have been with that group, he would have been a, probably about the, a similar guy than those guys. I think it would have maybe been a notch below. That's about it. So if you're talking last year, what maybe 10, nine, 10, a little bit of inflation here. I think you're probably looking at upwards of 10, $11 million here. That's probably the marketplace for him. So that to me is too rich for my blood. I think it's too rich for the Buffalo Bills blood. And Gabe Davis has every right to go out and get that money. And he should. He's going to have a finite time to make the, that kind of money in this league. Now, it's not extravagant. That is not $20 million a year. No. You know, y- you 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 are you have some wide receivers who are making that. But I think the floor for him is probably 10. And you're probably looking at maybe there could be a team out there that would go as high as like 15. I think you're probably looking somewhere in there. I'd be stunned. If he had to settle for something less than that, but I'll be honest with you, I thought that Jordan Poyer would get more than he did last year, and he came back to the Bills because he couldn't get what he wanted. Different situation, older player, I get it, but sometimes those things happen.
2: Yeah, I was listening to Chris Brown and Steve Tasker. They had former NFL GM, now writer for The Athletic, Randy Mueller on, Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and Brownie made this point about... Poyer specifically, and, and maybe it pertains. I, I need to look at the list of wide receiver free agents maybe a little more deeply than I have to fill this all the way out. But it, you know, po- what happened to Poyer last year is that there were, I don't know, just this glut of safeties available on the open market. And the way Chris talked about it today, I heard him and I've heard him say this in the past the only one who really got paid was Bates who went from mm-hmm. the Bengals to Atlanta, I think. And everybody else just sort of, you know, may- maybe safety is becoming the defensive running back. I, I don't know. Like, just no- nobody wants to invest big, big money in it. Um, you know, unless you're talking about some freaky hybrid like Hamilton coming out and with Baltimore, like, maybe he'll-, he'll bust the bank when he becomes a free agent. But we'll see. But as far as, like, guys that are more just sort of middle-of-the-pack type players hitting the market maybe teams are just inclined to sort of wait it out and sign guys to more bar you know team-friendly deals
4: i agree with that and it could wind up happening i think safety is actually another area this year where that could happen again we'll see Uh, maybe you know you look at some of the names there's some nice names on there but it doesn't seem like that's a a really explosion type area as far as the money is concerned what what i do think it would hurt gabe this year obviously is it's such a good draft class mm-hmm. for wide receivers, right? We are told constantly and all the time, we know that. Like, teams can wait. <clears throat> Excuse me. They don't have to go out and sign a Gabe Davis. Even if you think of a, a Mike Evans, a T. Higgins. Yes, yeah, those are nice guys. But what if a team feels, you know what? We can get a guy in a rookie contract that we feel really good about over the, in the first or second round, and to come in here and do it for so much less of the price for the next four years. And I wonder, and now, I think Higgins will get his money, Evans will get his money, But that probably impacts guys like Davis more than anyone, right? Guys who are in Mm -hmm, that next mm -hmm. tier, the tier after that, which is do I really need to spend the money because I have it or can I just get somebody? Now, there's going to be teams that have a lot of money, so it's not going to be as much of a deal to them. Hey, we'll pay him. We'll pay him some up front. If we have to get get out of it a couple years, it doesn't preclude us from drafting anybody. And I think that's why he'll still get that market that I talk about. Even though you can look at the receiver clash, you could say we can wait if we want. We don't have to do it. There's always going to be teams that have some money, who can figure out? You know what? We can do it. It's okay. If it doesn't work out, we have other ways to go about this. It's not going to cripple us as far as the salary cap is concerned.
2: I, I would. I definitely would fall into the let me draft a let me draft a guy rather than pay, um, you know, a player like Gabriel Davis but somewhere between ten and fifteen million dollars a year. Uh, I think. Um, but there is a risk there you know like you're like and, may, and maybe we're going to maybe we're going to you know mess around and find out in buffalo because like i i i would rather pay um uh, you know a first or second round rookie whatever you know whatever that contract is than even give gabe davis I don't even know, like under 10 million. I I just, I I need a different, I think the offense needs different juice than what he provides. And that's not to just completely ignore what he provides, but I feel like their passing game kind of has gotten locked up. So a more well-rounded player, perhaps, with, um, you know, more, you know, Gabe is not lacking for stretch the field ability, but there's not a versatility really to his game, at least the way the Bills have used him. So, I want to pay a, a kid. I want a rookie, but the risk there is like, do you, you know, do you get the right one? Do you get Zay Flowers or do you get Quentin Johnston? And yep. you know, you're in a you're in a window here where you're trying to, you know, you're still trying to win. So the stakes are high, and there's there is some gambling involved
4: there. One hundred percent agree with everything you said, and as you're walking through it and you're talking about it and. You say you'd rather have that guy. I don't disagree. I would, too. It's It just seems like the more prudent way to go. It's the smarter way to go to build your roster. You have a guy and a quarterback on this super huge contract now, and you're going to have to kind of fill out a little bit more with a little cheaper labor along the way, and you're going to have to pick and choose who you want to pay that are veterans that are you know on these expiring contracts, and look at these wide receivers who have come in and have done an amazing job. And obviously, Justin Jefferson's kind of like you know the Holy Grail out there to hold up <laughs> or something like that. But even guys like you know T. Higgins, who came in in the second round, who's going to be a free agent, make money, and Michael Pittman Jr., guys who are coming off expiring contracts, who were just drafted a few years ago, guys like Zay Flowers, who you just mentioned a moment ago. Um, I don't know, J- Jalen Waddle, right? I mean, you can yeah. I think there's more of a hit rate at wide receivers early on, but not a hundred percent. So that's exactly right. And to me, as you're talking about, I'm thinking exactly what you said, which is that's fine. But if you draft a guy and he doesn't work out. You're taking two steps back in your offense, not one, right? because now you got to wait for that guy to develop, and you didn't replace the other guy that you let walk out the door. Let's at least think about even the Bills. Now, this is not first or second round. I understand that. It's taken Khalil Shakir a year and a half to really kind of blossom here, right? And now, finally, Mm -hmm. he's doing that. They've also thrown darts at other players that just didn't work out, Isaiah Hodgins being one of them. Um, whatever. There's been a few. And you could say, well, that's all because they didn't draft one high. And I totally understand that, and that's probably right. And if they draft one high, then you have a much better chance. But you know what? You could always get, as you said, the Quentin Johnson. I mean, what is is Rashad Bateman, like a guy that you right. you say, yeah, that was a really great... I don't think so. He's nice. He's done some nice things. There's guys in here that just didn't do anything drafted in the first or second round. You better get the right guy and the Bills and the as you say, the window they're in can't afford to not have the right guy if they play it that way.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I had a guy call us yesterday uh, while Nate was in for Mike, who like pointed out the pointed at the Packers. Like, look, look at the Packers. Like, they went as far as the Bills did. Okay, fact. Um, and the receiver room was all first or second year guys. Also a fact irrefutable and they they had a good year their offense really sort of grew as the year went on and those receivers you know got better and better and Jordan Love progressed and like they looked like all set now but going into the year like yes they had a young quarterback they were replacing Aaron Rodgers with I don't know what their expectations were but you know they they struck gold you'd you'd love to have that be your receiver room everybody's on rookie contracts right and and they're productive and it's working and this caller's idea was like trade trade what you can release digs maneuver around and just put give me four rookies and I'm like, okay, like you might hit on two of them. You might hit on none of them. And your expectation is to be a Super Bowl contender again, not mm-hmm. sort of starting over from square one with a new starting quarterback. I mean, we're just, it's a very different situation.
4: Yeah, for sure. And and you're right. Like, this kind of found gold, right, for them. I mean, they, they man, to be in that position last year was such a, oh, my God, look what the Packers have done. They became a darling story because of it. The Bills don't have that luxury. The Bills... We hear their windows closing, cl- closing, not opening, right? The Packers are opening. They can afford to do something like that. That's not the case here in Buffalo. Um, the Bills aren't going to do that. We know that what, what I mean is not do that. They're not going to strip it down and start over all over the place. Now, they may have to do that at wide receiver a little bit. It, there is some room here, but I think what they're going to do is try to find some guys who can come in at cheaper contracts mm-hmm. who they feel just haven't had the right situation or environment to thrive. And then I think that they'll probably draft higher than normal than they have at wide receiver. So through free agency, that's going to be, again, and I know people are going to say, come on, did try that last year. I get it. Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield. it doesn't have to be them because, you know, they're on the team, or at least Trent, Shur- Trent is going to be a free agent, Deontay Hardy is. But that was the thought, right? Get guys in here who, let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can get them. Then you take a flyer on a Justin Shorter, but that's a fifth-round draft pick. But here's a clue. They signed K.J. Hamler as soon as the season was over to a future reserve deal. I don't I'm not telling you KJ Hamler is even gonna make this team. He may be cut when it comes time mm-hmm. for training camp. I have no idea. But that signaled to me right away, Bulldog, they are targeting and looking for something to change that room. Right. And they're gonna try to turn over every rock they can knowing that they don't have much money to do it.
2: Yeah, I I don't I, I will not It'll be very... I'll be a hard sell on getting optimistic about Hamler, at least between now and August. Right. Okay? But I appreciate the effort. Like, the methodology is, you know, it's scratch and dent sale, is is what it is. And that's where you have to live, I think. Not exclusively, but it makes sense to shop there if you're in the cap situation that the Bills are in. Because, like, what, you know, what's the upside there? If K.J. Hamler at all resembles the guy that he was when he showed up in the NFL and now he's healthy and can stay healthy, then you, you just bought really low and really smart. And if it busts, if he gets, you know, hurt again, just can't stay on the field or has lost it completely, I mean, really, what did you lose? Nothing. Uh, a roster spot is is all he's taking up, so I I, I like that kind of idea uh, a lot, and I'm all for um, you know if, if this team finds its way to releasing Deontay Hardy and not resigning Sherfield, you want to try two different versions of that again? I, I'm here for that too, um, but I think the key is along with that they have to yes. they have to get their hands on someone who eventually they think can be their number one receiver. And that guy probably has to come from the draft. I mean, I don't think you're finding that in the, in the discount aisle.
4: Agreed with that. But I, I think part of this, too, is it's funny you say number one receiver. That's what they say they still feel about Stephon Diggs. And there's a question about that, right? I mean, I wrote about that today in my, in my article, Previewing the Wide Receivers, and what's happening this offseason, which is, hey, I start out right away by saying, Brandon Bean called him and mm-hmm. said, I still believe he's a number one wideout in the NFL. But there's still questions about that, Bulldog. I mean, he, was, he wasn't that productive toward the end of the year. Khalil Shakir was far more productive, right? Well, other guys, other guys were. Now, I think Stefan Diggs has put together such a body of work, and I think he's such a hard worker, and he's available, and he's healthy, and all those kinds of things that, to me, it seems like that was probably working through what Joe Brady wants to do, where he fits in the offense, all those kinds of things. So I'm going to believe that he's going to bounce back and be the kind of Stefan Diggs he's been mm-hmm. next year to start the first half of the year. But they have to have in their mind, what if he isn't? And that even is part of this equation because there is a big swing, whether if he is or isn't, on how this room mm-hmm. it looks next year. If he is that true number one and they go out and they try to find these other things, it's, yeah, you know what? And if you can find them and you're going to be in the same position you were and maybe one of these guys hits. If he's not, then you're pretty much completely void and you're relying on one of those rookies, right. guys you find on the scrap heap, to actually take over the number one role. Right, and that is a really tough ask.
2: Right, when I, when I talk about the guy they draft being capable of being a number one, I'm not necessarily. It, it's within right. in mind that Diggs is holding down that role at least for the 24 season, if not beyond. Um, but you know, we'll see. And you're right; it's not it's not as certain anymore that he still is that guy. But I think what the Bills are likely to do here what what I would what I'm hoping they do is find his eventual replacement to complement him now, and that that guy can eventually ease into that number one role in a year or two, and hope that Diggs, with the help of a, of a more well-rounded receiver and you know just more just more weapons out there, kind of like how Bean and McDermott spoke after the season, right? Ne- needing that for Diggs to support him, that that yeah. works and they get their money's worth because I think. Like I know teams can do whatever they have an appetite to do financially as far as releasing players and eating dead money and all this stuff. I feel like they're kind of boxed in personnel-wise, cap-wise, contract-wise with Diggs and you to me you kind of got to just cross your fingers and hope he still is some reasonable facsimile of the player he's been the past 4 years.
4: No doubt. I agree with that. And but I do I am as I sit here now and think about how the offseason shapes up, I I am confident way more this year than I have been in the last few years that they will make a concerted effort to attack this position. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. It could wind up being a first-round pick. It could wind up being maybe they actually spend some money on a free agent that we did not think of, like when they got Von Miller a couple years ago, right? Like, wow, they actually went out and did it. How did they do it? I don't know. Um, creative financing here. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's drafting three out of ten draft picks mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> they wind up with at the end of the day on wide receiver. I don't, I don't know, but... I think again. I'm going to go back to the KJ Hamler thing. Like just having him come in right away, and then listening to Brandon Bean and saying, "We need more explosive plays," and we, you know, we we got to get Stephon Diggs more help, and then listening to Sean McDermott say the same thing and talk about player acquisition. I am very much I'm much more confident sitting here today in 2024 than I have been over the last few years that they're going to make. The largest concerted effort they have mm-hmm. since nineteen and John Brown and Cole Beasley and twenty and trading for Stephon Diggs and they have at that position.
2: I 100% am with you, and, and and I you know it feels a little bit to me like you remember how Bean sounded after they drafted Kyer Elam in the first round. Like I heard, I heard you. You know, we it, it, it was obvious corner was like a glaring need. Were yeah. there other needs? Sure, but it looked like the most glaring. I think receiver, even with the defensive line situation that they're in, I still think receiver, because of Josh Allen's presence and how they talked about digs and the offense in general, it it just feels to me like it'll be relatively stunning, I think, if they don't draft a receiver very early, if not you know, even in the first round, Um, a lot to get through. We (laughs) wanted to start prioritizing their free agents and we ended up just talking about receivers, which is fine. It's a, it's a part of this conversation, a big part of of the off season sales. Got a lot of information up at WGR 550com These positional breakdowns that we're talking about with receiver. They're also there on quarterback and running back already. And his off season tracker is there. If you're ever wondering like who is on this list of all these free agents, because we don't make a habit of just running them all down but it's a lengthy list. When we get back, I'll, I'll, I'll get into, with Sal, like who to prioritize of their own. All right, we're, we're talking about guys to replace Gabriel Davis. How about guys to keep on this team? We'll get into that, and if you fans out there have a favorite idea Um, amongst the Bills free agents like a priority, like one guy. You can keep one guy even. You want to call in and tell us who that is off of their free agent list. We'd love to hear from you at 803-0550. Joe Marino on the draft at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Other than that, it's going to be us hanging, so feel free to join us. Sal Capaccio is in for Mike Shope. I'm the Bulldog, and you're listening to WGR.
1: We definitely have some challenges. We do.
0: It's important. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: important that every dollar we spend, we spend it wisely. That it's not on a guy that, uh, he didn't pan out. Because I don't know that we're going to be able to have some spare. You know what? Let's take $2.5 take a shot on this guy If we put $2.5 in, he better help us win.
2: That is Bills GM Brandon Bean at the season wrap-up news conference uh, that he and Sean McDermott had shortly after the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, and uh, yeah, that's a a sentiment that we've already talked about here, uh, given the Bills cap situation, Um, you know, we know they're quite a bit over the cap sitting here today, but there are some, some fixes that I, I don't want to say they're easy or maybe, well, obvious, It's obvious Josh Allen is someone who's going to be on the team for a long time. So you want to adjust his contract and save upwards of $20 million against the cap. I think that's probably a pretty good idea. Other veterans like Diggs and Von Miller, I'm not as eager to do that with, but there are other names. They'll find their way to some money. Glad to have you with us here on this Wednesday. I'm the Bulldog, Sal Capaccio, filling in for Mike Shope today, uh, joining me for the duration today. Glad to have him as we're going to talk a lot of bills. The list, Sal, is lengthy, like we said at the outset of that conversation that ended up being almost exclusively about receivers by the end. Um, the name that jumps out to me th- that that I'm, i 'm I'm maybe most hopeful of like a Matt Milano outcome, not that i 'm thinking this guy will garner that kind of contract from the bills or really anyone else uh I feel like for me and i don 't know fans can tell us what they think eight o three oh five fifty Daquan Jones is the guy to me that I'm most eager to, you know, get up one day and hop on Twitter and see, oh, the Bills have reached a two-year contract extension with Daquan Jones. Uh, I feel like his being retained, I know they use a rotation up there, so there's a lot of bodies that need to come in. Um, But I feel like if they could get – Jones is the number one guy at his spot next to Oliver, and I feel like – if they were able to keep him, find their way to, to, to a contract extension with Daquan Jones, that would really lessen any urgency fans might be feeling or the team itself might be feeling to invest in defensive tackle early in the draft. Uh, again, not that you won't need to fill out with guys maybe later on, day two, day three, but as far as like a first-round idea, I feel like that would push me more towards receiver if they found the way to keep Daquan Jones.
4: Yeah, for sure he's up on the priority list with how impactful he was when he played versus when he didn't. Last game, notwithstanding, we all understand the last game of the season, the playoff game, the Bills' defensive line didn't show up very well. right? They didn't play very well. I get it. I understand that. Um, But overall, his impact when he was playing versus when he wasn't, what they were able to do defensively schematically with him being out there versus not being out there, a very big difference. I think the Bills would love to get him back. He is coming off an injury that he did come back from, but the – Peck injury that probably impacts him a little bit on the market. Um I don't think it's uh a, a, you know top of the market like defensive line type of salary you're looking at. He's not Chris Jones, right? But this is a guy that I went back and looked. He signed in 2018, 7 million a year with the Tennessee Titans for 3 years. 2021, over 4 million a year for a 1-year deal with the Panthers. Comes to the Bills, 7 million a year for 2 years. Okay, let's bridge that gap. You're probably looking at about five, six million then a Mm -hmm. year. That's pretty significant money. And you would want to think, okay, if you're going to do that, think what Brandon Bean said. If you're going to do that, even two and a half million, that's got to be a guy you really know you got to get every dollar out of. And that's great. I think Daquan Jones is that type of player. I think the question then becomes is, because of how much they rotate guys and how that position generally looks and what else you have to do there to get guys, how much would it preclude you around the roster of doing things? I agree with you 100%. I think Daquan Jones, if I'm putting a priority list together um, you know, for the Bills, he, he might very well be at the top. We can get some other names I think are very important, but he might very well be at the top. I, I don't think he's going to cost an exorbitant amount of money, but I also don't think you're getting back for the vet minimum either. That's a guy you're going right. have to have some investment in. And I would tell you that just talking with Daquan, I think Daquan would be very open to working something out to coming back to Buffalo if they have to kind of get creative.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm I, really curious to see, because of his age and injury, uh, what the market will be. Again, referencing the conversation I heard with Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, on with Brownie and Steve Tasker on One Bills Live here on WGR. He He assessed Jones as a very attractive guy. Uh, on the open market. And that sort of gave me pause because I, I, I'm, you know, coming in here thinking about what we're going to talk about. And I, and I know Daquan Jones is, is this player for me, uh, you know, amongst the bills, free agents that I hope they can find their way to keep. And I didn't like hearing this opinion that he could generate a lot of interest because I'm hopeful, you know, that it is, you know, I think five, 6 million. I know that's not nothing here. Um, and maybe that's the most money they'll spend on a free agent, but because of the draft point I made, I, I feel like that would it would be worth it to me. Because um, I'm not eager to spend a high pick again because of the rotational aspect of, of the position. I, I feel like they've gotten good mileage out of guys like Jordan Phillips and even Tim Settle. Like I know these guys aren't on the marquee, and they're not as high a priority as Daquan Jones, but I feel like I can fill in depth. What I need is the guy that is with my my other D tackle that I've already invested in, and Ed Oliver, that is a a formidable tandem. And then if I need other guys to fill in 40% of the time or so, um, hopefully I can find those guys out there on the fringes as we get to June and July even.
4: And I'm looking at the interior D line um, free agents right now. And so Mike Clay has a really good cheek sheet. If you ever want to go Mm -hmm. look at it, like a real quick observation, anybody, it's at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter. And, you can check, and it's of course it's his rankings. It's a it's a subjective opinion, but he he ranks all the positions and every player who's going to be a pending unrestricted free agent. Obviously, Chris Jones is at the top. Your names the like Christian Wilkins, Letter Williams, really you know important players, big guys. He has Daquan Jones. What this would be about tenth down on the list. I mean, about tenth, mm-hmm. right near Fletcher Cox, Chris Wormley. But I'm looking at other names: Sheldon Rankins. A little bit below that, Al Woods, Puna Ford's actually not that far behind him. Which I'm like, okay, well, I mean, think of the difference there, right? And right. you said to Bills fans how important is it to get Puna Ford back? They'd be like, I don't really care, All right? Just a the guy. Ask about right. Daquan Jones. There's such a wide, you know, variation there, and yet here's a guy who says, yeah, they're really not that far apart in free agent. So I do wonder, okay, do you really have to if you could if you could just re- get a guy that's kind of like Daquan? Like, are there guys out there? I think there may be more guys out there than you think, but all those guys may fall in the same bucket, which is you're probably spending upwards of four, five, six million dollars a year to get one of them.
2: Yep. I mean the 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 job of the GM now is I think look you got you gotta find your way to the quarterback. They did that. And there there is certainly luck involved in that. Not to say there's no skill. I mean they identified Allen and his traits and, and they they invested in him and they got they're getting paid off. I, I think the job now to find, like, go find me, go find me another version of Leonard Floyd is is something right. I think I, with a straight face, I will say on the radio and like Brandon Bean, if he hears like oh yeah, that's, that's really easy to do. Like I'll, I'll just, let me just make a couple of <laughs> calls and I'll go find another Leonard Floyd, but those guys are out there, you know, for whatever reason, guys fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And so Rather than, like, I know Leonard Floyd was an important player, at least early in the season. I think it kind of tailed off as the year went on, uh, and maybe, you know, there was some health there that that we never heard about, Um, but they got a lot of production out of him, and it really offset the loss of Von Miller, I think, early in the season, and so I need to see if I can hit on that again. Rather than pay Leonard Floyd what he might get on the open market, I want to go find another version of that bargain. And that's the, I mean, that's the job. That's the nuts and bolts of the job, I think.
4: Isn't there, is it, doesn't it always seem like there's an edge rusher that's like late in the pre-agent process? He's still sitting out there like Yannick Ngakwe, right? Is mm-hmm. like, hey, he like every year that guy's like still available late and then someone winds up, you know, going to get him. Um, Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, like just, yeah. there's a guy, there's always a guy out there at edge rusher. And um, yeah, I think that's the case as well. And we also, you know, it's so, oh man, this roster is so interesting to look at because a lot of it might be predicated upon really what they get from guys like Stefan Diggs and then Von Miller in this case. Like, what do you think Von Miller still is? What can he be next year? How much do you have to invest in that? Now, they went out and got Leonard Floyd. Let's remember, knowing, yeah, Von Miller might come back at the beginning of the season. I think there was a little too much optimism there, even by myself, but a lot of people... Vaughn they, they Miller, himself. Miller wasn't going to be <laughs> right. himself, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. They, they knew Von Miller wasn't going to be his full self yet, so they needed more there. What do they think this year? Like, do they think Von Miller's just going to continue on not being that effective like he was at the end of last year? Or, hey, we're very confident, so we don't have to go get a guy that we're going to spend money like we did Leonard Floyd last year. It's the same conversation with Stephon Diggs in a different manner.
2: Yeah, no, it absolutely is cuz it's yeah, it's it's injury recovery and and yes. age are more are larger factors. I mean, age is becoming a factor with Diggs. Uh but it's I think it's easier to see your way to it being outside factors, not, you know, different offense, different personnel, not enough explosive uh personnel, speed, skill threat whatever. Whereas Miller is really it's him. Yeah, you know, is he able to get back to where he was? Say when he got here after another, you know, devastating injury. Like I, I really wonder about that. You know, like I wonder internally how they're feeling about that. Like if they really, because I mean, I haven't done this. I haven't gone through every snap of Von Miller. My observation on the season would be it was like barely even like worth having him in a uniform for a lot of the year but by the end it felt like he was starting to come around a little bit. Um so maybe that's promising and maybe with a whole off season of, you know, rigorous training and still, you know, rehabbing that, strengthening that knee, maybe he can get because really it's about that bend, right? coming around the edge and whether he trusts the legs enough, whether they're strong enough to support him doing that because I think without that, right. like that's a that's such a key element of his game is that that lean coming
4: around the edge. Yeah, you know it's funny you say like I wonder what they feel. So do I. I'm intrigued. I think we'll get a clue by what they do in the off season. Like however they treat the position in the off season might give us a real good clue on what they feel about Von Miller because I think that's where Leonard Floyd comes in. If if Von Miller hadn't gotten hurt in Detroit on Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, they're not signing Leonard Floyd last year. Right. Right, I mean, like they have Von Miller at 100 percent coming back. I don't think you need to do that. They this was we talked about. This is insurance for when Von Miller is ready to play. You got to have. We got to have that premier edge rusher, and we don't have one for a while. And even if he comes back, he's not going to be the same. And then when he does come back, we'll figure it out then. That to me, and I, I think that if they feel that Von can kind of re-replicate himself in some mm-hmm. fashion from a couple of years ago before injury, I don't think they they don't. Have to get they they will feel they don't have to get a guy like Leonard Floyd or spend that high draft pick on it this year. Yeah, I, we're gonna take a break
2: here. We come back. I want to like at least look at the rest of the list, not like guy by guy, but yeah, who else on the list? I feel like most everybody else is kind of like supplemental depth type pieces, although maybe the safety position could be a little tricky with that, given Micah Hyde's situation and and Poyer's age, too. So we'll talk more about that uh, when we come back. Joe Marino from the Draft Network at the top of the hour on, well, the draft. The Combine's coming up next week. Sal's going to be there covering it for us, and we'll talk to Joe about uh, just the lay of the land here as we get ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. Sal is in for Mike Shope, along with Zach Jones. I am the Bulldog, and you're listening to WGR. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. I am the Bulldog. Mike Shope is on vacation. Sal Capaccio joining for the duration uh, today. Nate Geary will be back with me tomorrow and Friday uh, we spent in the first hour of the show here talking about Bill's free agents, not free agents they're going to go shopping for from other teams, but the guys on their own team. We spent a good chunk of time talking about Daquan Jones just now. So I, I would say like the second guy on the list that I, I, I'm hearing most about from fans would be A.J. Epinesa. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a guy that maybe is going to get a contract that's going to blow all our minds.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably, probably right. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that that's exactly where I would land on him getting more than what you anticipate. And I would say that it's because he's an ascending player mm-hmm. just coming out of a rookie contract who doesn't have a lot of wear and tear because of the way they rotate guys. That seems like it's a good bet. I think the same kind of for Gabe Davis, to be quite honest with you. I think mm-hmm. Gabe Davis is going to get, you know, more money than people think, or think he's going to get. I think, AJ Epstein and Gabe Davis are very similar in that regard to me. Um and yeah, I don't think the Bills are they're going to have an appetite or the wherewithal to do something like that. So that's right, but I if I was to prioritize, I don't know if I'd put him. He's he'd be up there. Like that's there's a group of like five guys I say okay, they'd really like to have these guys back. I think I might go to Cam Lewis next to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, now you know you're talking with the number one Cam Lewis fan here in Buffalo. The way I talk to you guys all the time about this guy, right? I mean, Eric Wood made fun of me a little bit on the pregame show. He's like, Sal, you're the number one Cam Lewis fan. I said, I am. I I think Cam Lewis is super important, but he's even more important this offseason. I mean, Bulldog, he might be a starting safety next year for them. Mm-hmm. They don't have one right now unless Jordan Poyer comes back, which I think is very up in the air. And if he does, great on his I can live with Jordan Poyer on his number coming back. That's fine. If the Bills want to keep him around, I just don't know if they're going to do that. They could save a little money. He is getting older. Obviously, they said they want to get younger. So if it's Jordan Poyer and who? Is it Micah Hyde coming back for one more year and another run at it? It just doesn't feel like that's going to happen. No. I I just don't – I can't see it. And I could probably get Cam Lewis cheaper than I get Taylor Rapp – And Cam Lewis is also the backup nickel who is good enough to start for a lot of teams in this league at nickel cornerback. I think he's a really important player. I would get to Dane Jackson as being important for this same for, for for a lot of the same reasons, which are I'm a little unsure at the position when it comes to Tredavious white, right. And when it comes to what's going to happen, because if he is not going to be on the team or if he's not going to be what he was, then what in Kyrie Lam, uh, because of those two guys, I need a little more security here, mm-hmm. so I think Dane Jackson, who's played well, who's started in this league for me, who knows my system, becomes an important player to try and bring back next year.
2: I wonder what sort of landscape there is for a guy like that, J- Jackson or or Lewis. Both, I mean, and Jackson yeah. probably outranks Lewis. Um, I mean, he's played as a starter more than Lewis has. Lewis has filled in and, and been capable and is important. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. Um, but I wonder, like, is Jackson, is Jackson gonna get what Levi Wallace got a couple of years ago to go to Pittsburgh? That's exactly um, the guy I think of. Like, and and is that is that palatable to the Bills? I mean, because um, I, I hear you. Like, I I'm I'm really. This is where you get into the weeds on like they know, and and have at least. Sp- well, if have certainly more information than we have about Tredavious White. Um, and so, you know, what sort of optimism is there for him to get back? We can only just sit out here and go, wow, two season-ending leg injuries in three years, and you got a healthy cap number and at your age, and just sort of add all that up and go, I don't know if I really want to count on that, especially at the cost, so... Yeah, supplement with, you know, make sure you hang on to Dane Jackson. You know, I I like that they traded for Douglas. I mean, they needed that for this year, and it's really nice that he's under contract for another year, and maybe they'll even find their way to an extension with him to lower his number, uh, at least for next year. And, you know, Benford is nice there, too. So I I feel good about starters, but Mm -hmm. depth-wise, I mean, I just, I don't know. That's, That's where a guy like Dane Jackson, I think,
4: really comes in. Stefan Diggs von Miller, Tradavius White, right? maybe the three veterans you have the most question marks about on what the ripple effect will be around the rest of the position. I think that's really what it comes down to here for me, and if they're very confident that travi White's going to come back, we don't even know if he's going to be on the team i mean i I believe that the the smarter move and what they would do and would be to keep him and not you know not eat six million dollars for him not being on the team um because that's what it would cost. I think it's more palatable for them to or eat 10 million i should say it's more palatable for them to live with the salary or restructure it somehow that said there is a question there so yeah dane jackson and let us remember you bring up levi wallace i agree it's the perfect comp right he might go and levi wallace didn't get a huge deal by pittsburgh it was four million a year right you know why the bills didn't sign resign levi wallace do you remember they, the situation because
2: they, they had dane jackson
4: <laughs> no it's because they thought they signed jerek uh they signed the guy from washington um mckissick they thought, remember when, when they thought they signed the running back from Washington? So they had allocated that money. Oh, and they then didn't, even Brandon th- Bean. They didn't said think they that. could afford to keep. I, didn't, I never knew that. I missed that. Yeah, Brandon that Bean actually said afterward he said not only did they not get JD McKissick from Washington when he backed out of the deal, it cost them Levi Wallace because they would have resigned him if they knew they couldn't get McKissick.
1: Wow.
4: I, how did, I don't know how in the world I
2: missed that. That's, that's this kind of detail that usually um, does not escape my attention, but I'm glad to know it now. But All it's right. interesting to think yeah, about how, yeah. how
4: razor thin it is
2: right. when it comes to these types of decisions, right? Right. Even at different positions, it's just a, a matter right. of the money. All right. Good deal. Let's uh, take a time out here. And get ready for Joe Marino, the draft network will get into the Bills needs and the draft overall as we move into the four o'clock hour. Sal Capaccio's in for Mike. I'm the Bulldog. Thanks for listening to WGR.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.